Colossians chapter 1. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really enjoying this season that we're in since we finished the book of Hebrews, and we're just allowing the Lord to deal with us as a church. Um, He's been dealing with us on the issue of prayer, and and we've been saying to the Lord what the disciples said to the Lord 2,000 years ago in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. We've been saying, Lord, teach us to pray. That's what we've been asking. That's what we've been asking as the pastors and the elders of the church, as the staff of the church, as the church as a whole. We've been saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think the Lord's been doing that. I don't know about you, but in the last few weeks, I've personally been revived in my intimacy with the Lord, my prayer life before the Lord, my sense of being on mission through prayer. I think that the Lord is doing a good work in our midst right now. And what we've been reminded of, especially last week, was that the Lord said both in Isaiah and Christ repeated in the Gospels concerning his house when his people would gather, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. That when God's people come together in God's name, prayer is to be central. We talked about this last week, and we experienced it last week. If you weren't here last week, you want to get a hold of that message, especially if this is your home church. It's very important. This week kind of builds on an understanding that we came to together last week and the week before, for that matter. So you can get it at the website or the counter today, but get that. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Last week, we, we dealt with this strange truth. That it's undeniable that, that we have this aversion to praying in church. I I saw it in us. We experienced it last week. I said, look, we're not going to have a sermon this week. We're going to pray together in groups as a church. And I saw hundreds of little faces go, wait, you mean like out loud? Here, now? What about the sermon? Give me the sermon. I came for the sermon. (laughs) And, And we talked about how it's just the most wrong thing on the face of the earth almost that we would have an aversion, even the slightest bit, to praying in church. For Christ said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say it was a house of preaching, though we do that, nor did he say it was a house of music, though we have that, but a house of prayer. And yet we find that often when we come, we are beset by sort of a consumer mentality. And I think what the Lord is doing with us as a church right now is wanting to move us from consumerism to committedness. Get that. That's a real important concept. From consumerism to committedness. We've been beset by consumerism because of our culture, our American culture. And so a lot of us sort of extrapolate or at least try to extrapolate that into the church experience. And we come into church basically saying, what do you have for me? What sort of programs do you have for me? What do you have for my kids? What do you have going on that's going to meet my needs? And and there's a fundamental failure there because what we often fail to recognize is that church is not about us. It's not about our needs and it's not about getting them met, but church is expressly about Jesus Christ. It is about his glory, his purpose, and his mission. And the church is to be a people gathered around and for the person of Jesus. Now, the cool thing that we discover is that the more we make church about Jesus, the more we find that our needs are met and our drama is dealt with. 
But it's counterproductive when we try to make it about us. We find then that we'll never be satisfied. It'll seem that our needs are never met and that our drama is ever increasing. But when we surrender the us thing, and the consumer thing, and we endeavor together as a community to make it about Christ, then church becomes more powerful. I would say church becomes more exciting. And when you step into the moment with the mindset that Jesus is about you, not about me. It's about your glory and not my stuff and not my wants. And something happens in church that is supposed to happen. And we move then from consumerism help me deal with me, to committedness to Christ and for Christ. And I think the Lord is trying to work a little bit of that in us as he's teaching us how to pray. Because as we prayed last week, what we discovered was we had to be committed. We could no longer be passive. We couldn't come just sit and receive the word of God and just listen and, and kind of let it happen. That's good and that's awesome. We'll get back to that. But, but it was a new level of pressing in in church, a new level of committedness. It, it did away with the consumerism altogether. It, it just shattered that, at least for the moment. God is moving us in that direction and he hasn't let us go yet. I, I want to let you know as your pastor that by the grace of God, I faithfully prayed this week. I faithfully and fervently sought the Lord as to where he would have us this Sunday. And I need to tell you, as a preacher, that I was anxious to move on to a sermon. I love sermons. I love giving sermons, hearing sermons, writing sermons, watching sermons. I love all things sermonic. <laughs> and I was more than ready to do so. And I asked the Lord, and I sought the Lord, and I knocked before the Lord. And I didn't feel the Lord saying to us as a church, oh, yeah, great. You did that prayer thing for one week. You guys are cool. Be done with it. Move on. I just didn't sense the Lord saying that. I, I sensed that he would have us pray again today. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And, and so we're going to do that again. In a moment, we're going to get into little small groups and, and we're going to change the focus a little bit. We're going to be praying for each other. What we realize is that prayer, among other things, is an investment. So this morning, we'll be making an investment in each other, therefore in the kingdom of God. And it's an investment that is selfless. Some of the people that you'll be praying with, you may not know them, but Christ knows them and loves them. And so we'll pray fervently for one another. Remember, we come into this with a theology that prayer changes things, that it really does. And so that our lives, individually and corporately, will be impacted as we pray together. Praying for others is the thrust of prayer in the New Testament. I know that generally our prayer lives are made up mostly of praying for ourselves, but uh, that would make us in disharmony with the New Testament, where the thrust of prayer there is praying for others. Here in Colossians chapter 1, we have Paul praying for the church of Colossae and also the church of Laodicea. They're a church located in the Lycus Valley, modern-day Turkey. And uh, he's never been there. He's never met these people. He knows enough about them to address the theological issues that they are confronting, so he writes this epistle to them. But he's never met them personally, and yet he prays this passionate, wonderful prayer for them. And this prayer is going to be our model for each other this morning. So let's read this carefully, starting in verse 9. <clears throat> Paul says, For this reason also... <clears throat> 
since the day we heard of it, speaking of their love in the Spirit, reference in verse 8, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So what we're going to do in just a moment, is break up into little groups. We're going to be exchanging some information and then praying according to these passages. I think it'll work best in groups of about three. Otherwise, we'll kind of lengthen the process because as I said, we're going to be sharing some information. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, we are so thankful that you're here. We welcome you here. We want you here. I understand that this might be uncomfortable for you, but you need to understand that this is something that the church does. You've come to check out church. This is something that the church does is pray. And I want to invite you into that this morning. You can be prayed for this morning. We're all going to exchange some information in a moment. Feel free to exchange that information with the Christians around you, and they'll pray for you. And expect God to do something in your life. I mean, that's why you're here. You're hoping that God is real and that he might do something in your life. Today's a perfect day for you. So we're going to do it just like we did it last week. We're going to get into little groups. I'll kind of lead us in the direction we're going to go. I'll let you pray for a bit. And then I'll come back up and I'll redirect us. I understand that the coming back up thing could be a bummer. Last week when I came back up, you know, there were some old saints that were still praying. And they gave me just the gnarliest scowls when I would come back up and, and, and interrupt. I realized that thou art mighty prayer warriors and forgive me, have mercy on me. But trying to direct over 500 people here and sometimes you just kind of got to do those things. So. The first thing that we're going to do when we get in groups of two or three, and I hope that you're with some people that you don't know, that'll cause us to be a real blessing in your life, is we're going to ask of each other, and we're going to answer for each other this question. What is the biggest question in your life right now? Well, what's the biggest unknown, the greatest ambiguity, that thing that's kind of keeping you up at night, that, that future uncertainty that's worrying you, that's troubling you, that thing that you're looking for answers for. It might be a timing issue, a relational issue, a finance issue, whatever it might be. And then we're going to pray verse 9 for each other. We're going to ask that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So whatever you share with one another, then, then pray for the other person. Now, Lord, fill them with your will for this situation, for this instance, for whatever's going on in their life. Give them understanding, insight into this relationship or, or this problem. One of the things that will help us pray here is uh, Proverbs 9.10, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Sometimes when we lack wisdom and understanding in his life, it's because we don't have the proper perspective of who Christ is. We need to exalt him a little more in our lives and things become a little clearer in our lives. So that might help us to pray. So we'll start there, giving that information, praying verse nine, and then I'll be back in a few minutes. So let's get outside the comfort zone now and let's do it. Grab each other, share and pray, church.
I hate to interrupt, but we'll just transition a little bit into praying along the lines of the next verse. The next verse says that we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the question, the information that we're going to share with one another is what's the biggest sin issue in your life right now? Now that, that that's, 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 <laughs> I understand the relational and, and self-disclosure issues there. And, you know, we, we can only disclose as much as God will give us grace to do in this moment. And for some of you, it's not going to be the biggest sin issue. It's going to be number five. <laughs> that's, that's cool because God knows what number one is. And we're praying to him and he knows what we have need of before we ask. So, you know, it, it's okay. It, share what God gives you grace to share this morning. Know that God knows and... Um, that's cool. So, but, but do be stretched a little bit. Okay, so you're comfortable here? Maybe go there. Okay, you're comfortable here? Maybe there. Just be stretched a little bit. And let's be encouraged by what James wrote in uh, chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Listen, so that you may be healed the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So the scriptures here tell us that it's normative for the church to confess our sins to one another. Scary, yeah. Normal though, okay? And, and that there's healing that'll come. And that our prayers are going to be effective with God this morning. So we can expect change to happen in our lives. And we're not only going to confess our sins to one another and pray for freedom then from that thing. That's what you're praying. Lord, free them from this. Give them victory in Jesus, victory in the cross from and over that thing. But also then bring a fruitfulness into their life. Sin brings death. Christ brings fruitfulness. So where there's death because of the sin, bring fruitfulness now. Take this great weakness and make it a great strength in you, Jesus Christ. And that's part of what verse 9 says, that we be bearing fruit in every good work. So let's confess to the degree that we have grace to do this morning. Pray that we would get victory in those areas and be healed from the associated wounds and that we'd bear much fruit then in our lives. This is a gnarly one, so I'm gonna give you a little extra time. Let's do it. I hate to interrupt when there's so much sin being confessed, but we're going to just transition into praying for the praying according to the last verse here, verse 11. And uh, the question, the information that we're going to be sharing is kind of, it can kind of dovetail, kind of bring all those things together. It's what is the biggest challenge in your life right now? What's that giant, that, that, that situation, that circumstance, that, that thing that keeps you up at night? Anybody have any of those or am I the only one? That thing where you're just like, wow, Lord, how are we going to get through this? Well, Paul prays for the church in Colossae and Laodicea. We had some big challenges. In verse 11, prays that they'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Not their power, not their wherewithal, not their resources, but God's. 
according to his glorious might, for the attaining of steadfastness and patience, that they be able to persevere the difficulties with Christ. So the previous questions may kind of lend themselves to this one, or you might switch gears. Philippians 4.13 helps us think about this one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That should encourage us and build our faith as we pray. So this is the last way that we'll pray together this morning. So let's finish well. Let's share that information and let's do it.